Are you awake? Yeah. I just want you to know I hate you. So is my dad. Please go away. Let me sleep for the love of God! Why don't you tell me a story? How do you sleep at night? I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a podcast that exists to discuss and maybe set straight the rumor, innuendo, and hidden details that surround some of your favorite bands and songs. Welcome to the show. My name is Brian. I'm Murdoch. And the way this works is one of us each week sets up and tells a story to the other one about something that we may or may not know from rock and roll history. And this week, it is Murdoch's turn. So take it away, buddy. Okay. Today we're going to be telling the story to you about how Stevie Nicks completely stole a song from Prince, but he came and played music on it, and they share 50-50 publishing. Wait, wait, wait. wait. But so, you'd never know because his name's never been on the song. Really? Ever. Right, right. Yeah. I don't think I even... I'm trying to think what those two songs might be, and it's not coming to mind. Is right. this like a... So this isn't a super well-known thing, I guess. I, I guess not. So I, I just know about it because I love both these songs and I love both these artists a lot. So so let me set it up real quick. So Stevie Nicks, right? She's she's way ahead as huge star before Prince is. So think of 1977, like uh, Elvis dies, Leonard Skinner plane crash, Frampton comes alive, uh, Kiss Alive 2, Nevermind the Bollocks, and Fleetwood Mac's Rumors comes out. And slays everybody, and it's like the biggest record of the year. And it's there's relationships and marriages being destroyed in that band. She like uh, there's a meme where they they make fun of um, Taylor Swift because she writes all these songs about her ex boyfriends. Well, Stevie Nicks wrote songs about her ex boyfriend and made him play guitar and sing harmony backup to them that's how straight up she was because so Lindsay and her broke up wrote songs about each other john and christy they're divorced and still played huge record then they do tusk and then she decides she's going to make a solo record and she has her her first solo record comes out and then between the 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 first record and the second record her first record comes out and her best friend dies she was pregnant, had a, a very small baby, like an infant, and Stevie was the godmother to this child, okay? So, all of a sudden, she decides that she wants someone to raise the child with, so she marries her best friend's widower. What? Right, right, right. And his... What? Yeah. Now, was he a record industry adjacent? Like, who was he? You know, I don't know. His name was Kim Anderson, and uh, their marriage didn't last very long either. But never. But first, they get married, and on their honeymoon, this is how they refer to like how Stevie Wait, how Stevie what, stole this story. What a hippy dippy thing to do! Like, I'm just going to marry this guy who I know nothing about because I want this baby to have a day. Anyway, sorry. Hey, go ahead. You want to you want to hear more hippy dippy? Hang on. <laughs> so they're like celebrating as newlyweds, and they she listens. She's listening to Little Red Corvette. In the song, like the it's play on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we we'll listen get, we'll to get, Little we'll Red get, Corvette? Um, no, we'll get to Prince in a okay, moment. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to Prince in a moment. But so she uh, she decides that uh, she she starts singing. She's like, "Stand back, stand back," and she convinces this man, her her best friend's husband. Now he's she's dead. We've got to stop somewhere and get a cassette player or something. And so she 
she starts writing the song on a cassette player until they can get to uh, Sunset Studios, and they've just gotten married. And as newlyweds, instead of going whatever else what a newlywed would do, they stayed up all night in the studio, and and Stevie wrote the song. And at the end of the night, she went to listen back to the song, and she was like, oh, "I I totally stole that Prince song." <laughs> so so think about so that's so Steve so Stevie came from this huge success, and think about so Prince was didn't get like his first debut record came out forty years ago. Okay. Then I want to be your lover, you know, and he's so far out, and he's like James Brown, funky, androgynous, and weird. Imagine, right, like, right, right. Imagine Prince, and then when he gets really famous, like he he doesn't really break it until 1999 that record, and imagine Middle America opening up and reading the lyrics to all this stuff because I did. I was nine years old and I had a purple double gatefold Prince thing and DMSR, that song was dance, music, sex, romance, you know. Um, but I mean, he had, that was tame. Like his other stuff, it's just, you know, it's thinly veiled or really about sex like a lot of it is. And Stevie's songs are kind of mysterious and passionate and weird. And right, mystical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Prince's songs are more down, funky, sexy. Like, I mean, that's kind of what his music kind of at the core is, right? It's R&B. So, you know, he, he hits it really big then. And so imagine, like, imagine that guy. I mean, I remember thinking like, my parents probably don't like me having this record. Um, Because it was weird. Like he was, he, it made it feel, it was cool to like Prince because he was so different. There was something that was identifiable about liking someone that was so it was like okay to you know it was like that thing. Well, well, he's still often referred to as an alien when people talk about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the whole mystique. Yeah, and there's so much to go into what's you know what happened to Prince and his passing, all that stuff. But anyway, he hits it huge um, with with this record, and Little Red Corvette is one of them, one of the songs that becomes a huge smash and it is a fairly terribly thinly veiled song about sex right i learned what the word trojans were because that's in the song uh, <laughs> some of them trojans used um <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's like super super duper dirty um i'm not gonna read the lyrics i thought about i'll read them no nah, i'm not gonna read them all <laughs> you can look them up here's the thing everyone and their grandmother knows this song well, Everyone yeah, knows right. Little Red Corvette. It is a it's it is a, a smash. It's a pop. it's a dentist office song now. It is a song you hear when your molars and, are getting removed. And think about 1983 is when uh, no 82 actually is when 1999 came out. 1982, dude, it's pre-thriller. He owned MTV. He was one of the first African American guys who was on music television. So. You know, you got all these white Americas getting to see this androgynous guy up on like on MTV and the songs oh, they're about sex. You know, what I mean, he's going and it was terrific and it was flashy and purple. And, you know, it's like he was an amazing performer. So you've done a great job of setting the stage. So what you're saying is here is this guy who is taking the music world by storm. Meanwhile, you have this hippie folk rocker, basically right glorified folk rocker who is trying to come out on her own, is driving around on her honeymoon, is jamming yeah. to a Prince song. Right. So yes. goes into a studio, makes this tune. Yeah, so let's so the song that she was listening to in the car was Little Red Corvette. So let's let's listen to a little bit of Little Red Corvette so you can hear what that that sounds like. 
And it's fun. Like when you hear it, it's so you know what song it is when it starts playing. You know, everyone knows what song it is as soon as it starts playing. Like it's immediate. Well, and you know, you and I both worked in adult contemporary radio at some point, yeah. right? And we, I played this song all the time. And and now now listen to the song has like there's a you know there's a drum machine and listen to the keys. Yeah. It's like kind of slow piano, like synthesizer. Okay, now hit no, so so. Yeah. Right. Okay, we'll we'll end up stop stop. We'll listen to the whole song because it's such an amazing song. So 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 then what happens eventually? Uh, there's two versions of this record that came out. There was the original and the a radio edit of it, um, and also they made two videos. And the the first video version they made was unreleased and they called it the Scarlet video and I guess she was I, I haven't seen it but it made some reference to Gone with the Winds so I don't know if she's dressed up like Scarlet O'Hara no idea what was happening uh, to Stevie at that point but so she she made this song that everyone knows too if you enjoy Stevie Nicks or Fleetwood Mac because Fleetwood Mac this in 1987 this became part of Fleetwood Mac set and this song is always in the set because it's almost like a Fleetwood Mac song so Stand back. So if you start to listen to it, it's faster than Little Red Corvette. Right? Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. And so here the, here the synthesizer. But you're right. It's got the same elements together. Right. Okay. Right. So just for fun, just for fun, I wanted, I wanted you to play. I've got, a, I've got a mashup of the two songs. So, I, so you just can hear exactly how they're the same song. They really are because they're in the same key. You know, it's like you, you have to change a little bit with the vocals, but everything about it is the same. They're just different tempos. Okay, so here is here is the mashup. Yeah, because it's it's hilarious how if you're familiar with both songs, like eh, it's perfect. It's almost too perfect. Like it's not even almost not even funny, like how some are like, This is awesome. It's Black Sabbath and Sesame Street or something. It's the same song. It's so weird because, like, it doesn't register in my head the same way that a lot of these songs, when you have these conversations about songs being basically the same song. Right. So here's the real story about about the song. So here's here's what here's what you really need to know. So so where we we really left off before I, I wanted you to hear these songs is so Stevie has realized that she is you know, she's ripped off the song from Prince. So. I never, I've, I've looked around into a lot of research and I don't know who she initially contacted, but she, she made a phone call and she got a phone call back and Prince called her back at, uh, at the, at Sunset Studios. What do you think a phone call from Prince sounds like? Uh, someone else told, someone, it was it, somebody, somebody that went to play, oh, uh, Questlove told a story about how, uh, he thought someone was pranking him, and and it was it was Prince, and he was calling to see if he wanted to go play ping pong. Well, I instantly, I instantly think of Chappelle doing do, Prince, but so, like, so do you do you understand if someone called you and said it was Prince, you knew Prince, but you you you, know, you kind of want to hang out with him, but he's you, weird, and you, he calls you, you want to go ping play ping pong. Yeah, it's like, oh man, this is Jimmy, right? Oh man, yeah. So so she so Prince calls, and she tells him. And she's like, where are you, you know, where are you at? And he is very close nearby and gets in his car and comes down to the studio. And we're going to listen to it again, but he comes in, 
he plays the he plays two synthesizers on this song. There's like a synthesizer and I believe like a bass synthesizer um, that officially you can tell it it is that's he did do it. There, apparently he played other things like a little guitar or some other stuff on it, but he wasn't there for very long. Like he was there for less than an hour and cut these tracks. So if you listen to Stand Back, the song that everybody knows, these synthesizers are, are Prince. And when this record came out, he had no credit on it of playing on it. It was like he, he ghost played on a Stevie Nicks song that she ripped off from him. So it's like not in the liner notes. No, no, no. It's not publicly recorded as. But but he he has half the publishing. So if you if you look there, they they made a deal on that at some point. So she so. basically said, "I want to release this song, even though it is almost a replica of your song, but I'll give you half the money." Um, yeah, and that's a pretty good gamble because that song turned out for her. Like you never know. I mean, I think like in retrospect, when you hear stories like this, you go like, "Well." Yeah, man. I mean, they're two huge stars, and but like, there's plenty of huge stars that have songs that you've never heard that were never hits that yeah. even got released to radio. Oh, here's a wait. Here, this is an actual quote from Stevie. Uh, she gave in this interview, and she said that when they were on the phone, she said, "This song, I know that fifty percent of this is yours. You know, what are you doing later? And you know, we're this is where we're at. Like she straight up said, "Well, this song's yours, half of it." And that she said, "I guess that maybe that's why." You know, she said, well, it's half of yours. It's so interesting to me that this of all, like, I just don't hear it as strongly as I hear in a lot of other songs. I'm not saying it's not there, like it is, but like, even, you know, we talked about on another episode of this show, Huey Lewis and Ray Parker. Those songs sound exactly the same. Yeah, they do. Yet there was actual denial by all parties that there was anything in common. Right, right. And And this was a thing where they just had an agreement. You know, and like, how often do you think this happens? I, you know, I think that you know you can call. You it, think you it have, happens have, more than we think it does? Well, I think now it's 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 industrialized, like it's hired guns. Like somebody comes in and plays like a guitar solo for you, like in a half hour, and it's like done, and it's on your record or something. But the but just imagine. But he like left, and so in a lot of interviews, she's made these things. She said these things about how like you know he he basically walked out of her life, like walked out. You know, just, you know, it's mysterious. Like, you know, it's like Prince, like drifting off well, on a cloud or this whatever. This is all part of his mystique. And it makes me wonder, too, like, if, if he's like, listen, we can split the... Like, yeah. there's a part of the whole Prince mystique thing where I'm like, how much of it was manufactured by him where he just, like, either paid everyone or everyone liked him enough to just, like, like tell these stories the right way that make him yeah. sound mysterious? Like, does he really just disappear in a puff of purple smoke? Like, what what happened? Like, when she says, like, he like, walked out of the studio and walked out of my life. Like, but, what? But there's, but there's been, I did, I did want to leave this, to me, this is gossipy stuff and not as interesting as a song, but, um, but she said in an interview once that he took her for a ride in his... He, Little red Corvette? He had a purple one. <laughs> really? A True. purple Corvette? Uh, did yeah. that just not sound as good in and, the song? The the song that he was that the car he was sitting in was uh, an Edsel actually it was I think it was you know there's like windy, in the video wind, you know there's Wendy and Lisa there were the there were the band yeah. members in the Revolution right 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 and I think Lisa had a pink Edsel that's what it was and then the song somehow became Little Red Corvette that's really it but anyway so there's this story she told about Prince taking her for a ride in the in the car and he was you know speeding down the highway and so at some point this she had mentioned that she thought that he was trying to pursue her 
And let's be more clear about that. Pursue her, like trying to woo her. Yeah, yeah. And um, and she said on more than one occasion she thought it would be a terrible idea because you know then what happens if they weren't friends because. It was like they well, yeah, had. Yeah, but Stevie Nicks does not make good romantic decisions. Like you, you just told us a right, story. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and and then and then I've also I have a hard I've also, time buying that she was just like, no, I, I don't think this would be a good idea because this is the one good romantic de- right. decision I'm going to make. And and there's this is this is purely like how nerdy I am, but I this is a little bit of speculation. But there's there's a there's in some message boards on both Four Prince and Stevie Nicks, people do talk about that it was the opposite that. It wasn't that Stevie um, was trying, um, well, that Prince was trying to woo her or whatever, but the, the the story was that he was really turned off because she was on drugs. And, like, he shows up down at the studio and, like, you know, what are they doing? 1982, hanging out at 6 o'clock in the morning? I don't know. Probably drinking punch. No. Right? So, <laughs> but, you know, the irony of that is, like, you know. Tab. People, I heard it was Tab. The irony of all that is, like, Prince is such an amazing musician, and he, we, he, like, just like Elvis, like Elvis, on, like, you know, in 1977, the same year that rumors came out, Elvis dies on the toilet. Like, we lose Prince in an elevator. Like, so devastating. Super sad. But to think about if that was really true and he didn't want to pursue her because of that, like, Stevie's still alive, you know? She did shows with Tom Petty uh, before, like right before he passed away. Like the on the end of that tour, she did a couple of shows with the Heartbreakers, and she she wanted to be a member of the Heartbreakers. Uh, but uh, even he said, you know, this is the Heartbreakers. There's no girls in the band. <laughs> it but negates I, the whole premise. Yeah, but still, um, I think that I think that it's amazing that two people were able to huge stars. I mean. Clearly, they're both totally unusual artists, but they were able to be like, "Oh yeah, well, just yeah, it's your song. Okay, cool. Well, it sounds really good. I like what you did with it. Let's split it." So, tell me about "All Over You." Yeah. Okay. So, this is. I feel a little weird, but I, I found this has been out for a while on on the on the internet for a long time, really. But um, people have, I guess, have snuck out demos out of Paisley Park, and they did it before he passed away too so it's a little maybe dubious whether this is actually this so there's some uh rumors that they actually did record music together and imagine if they did it they like probably, around the same time or do we know well it, it so it'd have to be post uh 83 and then she was back in Fleetwood Mac in 87 and she took a ride in that in that car with Prince when she was in Fleetwood Mac because she told that story that she got dropped off at the plane and everyone in the, the band was like, what happened? She's like, nothing. <laughs> she like, <laughs> like told, they were all like, what happened with Prince? So, you know, it was, she was still, she knew him like in 87 or something, but they didn't see each other eventually. They stopped seeing each other, but they had this, you know, this crazy experience on how they ran into each other. So there is a song and we do think it's Stevie Nicks and, and Prince, and it's not officially released. It's just been leaked on the internet. Right, right. And and a lot of people, what a lot of people say, like if you want to want to hear it, just check it out now. Um, is that it sounds like Prince's guitar? Like it, people are like, oh yeah, well that's that's him playing guitar on it. How do you sneak something out of Paisley Park? I don't know. I figure you get shut down pretty fast. Like all the live shows. Like I love Prince. I saw him a couple of times. Um, 
and uh, but his live shows would get pulled down really fast. So he had a he had some guys out there pulling stuff. I mean, it's it sounds funky, but right. I mean, he he was so all over the map that you never really knew what was going to come out of yeah a Prince so, record. So also being on the internet, not actually knowing like you know, is this really them or not? Not really sure. But oh yeah 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 I I did. There was one other thing I wanted to mention. Completely random. Uh, so. Right before, uh, no, no, after Tusk, after Fleet, after uh, Tusk was released, like 1979, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks did a record with somebody where Stevie sang backup on every song, and they had one a one hit wonder, and I never had heard of it ever before, that she was on the record. The song is a wonderful song. It's one of my favorite songs. And it's uh, Magnet and Steel. You know that song? By no. Walter Egan? So if you... Uh, here is what I would say. First of all, great story. Uh, it's very different than the Huey Lewis-Ray Parker story because of kind of the level of uh, kindness and business savvy. <laughs> I mean, like really, if you if you talk about that episode with Huey Lewis and, and Ray Parker Jr., like it's just a lot of people being petty and like not making good business decisions this is you know she realizes she makes a mistake and she takes the interesting and i wonder if it's a little bit rooted in ego but the interesting idea of i'm just gonna call him and say like hey i like this song i want to keep it but i clearly stole it from you so let's collaborate as opposed to like no i can't use that which i think is like what you or i would do like be like, oh well that clearly sounds like something else and even though i think now, I would say, like, I do think it is interesting thinking about how this happened, this accident where she, you know, she lifted this song from him. Like, I think that's more interesting, but, like, more so than, like, the rumors about, like, what was their relationship like and yeah, yeah, what, yeah. how that whole thing. But all of a sudden, I got in my head thinking, like, I wonder how fun it was to be Mick Fleetwood standing up on, you know, on the top of the steps of the plane when the car show, the purple car shows up <laughs> and drops off their singer. <laughs> Right, <laughs> like looking to see what Lindsay's going to do. Yeah. So a couple things about Fleetwood Mac. If you if you like, you did a great job of kind of giving us like thirty seconds on the history of Fleetwood Mac. If you want to go really deep into that, yeah. Rolling Stone writer Rob Sheffield, who is a master, has just released a new project about Stevie Nicks, and it I believe it is only available on Audible right now. But he goes really deep into all of that. Um, and he writes with this like real enthusiasm and excitement about music. So if if that's something you want to dump into, I would highly recommend that as uh, something to check out. Um, also, on that note, if you want to go into something that's not factual or nonfiction, but is actually fiction that is clearly just based kind of on the life of Stevie Nicks, um, Taylor Jenkins Reid wrote a book called Daisy Jones and the Six that has kind of taken over book clubs everywhere across the country and it is one of the most readable things I have ever read but part and I thought it was just because I love this type of thing and I love music and I know that it's clearly aping Fleetwood Mac a little bit um but everyone I've talked to people who don't care about music at all have read this book and have been like man that was one of the most enjoyable reads I've had in a long time so I highly recommend Daisy Jones and the Six you'll read it in like a day and a half it's so fun my uh Christmas idea for everyone for a gift to get everybody is the Prince 1999 Super Deluxe Edition which <laughs> arrives literally on friggin 
Black Friday. It does. And so it has the original, like, two LP thing, and then it has four more records, which include, there's 23 unreleased studio tracks that are from 81 to 83. Like, it's it's basically anything that he had demoed, like, officially to, to record night. And are these officially coming out of Paisley Park? Um, say what? Are these officially coming out of Paisley Park? Oh, like, they've yeah. been released by the estate? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And then... Unlike the fake Stevie Nicks song? Right. And then there's a complete live performance of, from that tour uh, from November 30th, 1982. And then there's a DVD of a Houston show also. So it's like, if you went on record, it's six LPs. It's absolutely crazy. So, I mean... So uh, what, what, you're, what you're saying is, this is what I should get you for Christmas. <laughs> I'll start saving up. <laughs> this is Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. I hope we have shed a little light on those two songs that you're like, why do these songs sound similar? Uh, thank you for that. That was awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I love both of those songs and artists a lot. I love that story. Make sure you get involved with everything we do at wearethestoryguys.com. That's a home base for not only this podcast, but also our Story Guys podcast, which is a fake storytelling game show where the stories are real and the points are fake. And you can find out all the things we do, public appearances, videos, everything else. It's all right there, wearethestoryguys.com. You can email the show, wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And in the meantime, we need you to do one thing for us. Keep telling stories. What? (laughs) Do it as Prince. Keep telling stories, baby. Keep keep telling stories.